0: Kia ora, and welcome to the New Zealand Property Market Podcast, brought to you by CoreLogic, produced by Agents TV for the 4th of April, 2022. I'm Head of Research, at Goodall, and I'm joined by our Chief Economist, Calvin Davidson, down in Christchurch. Now, Calvin, I was going to ask you how you are, but I thought I might as well get it out of the way. Yes, I've got COVID. Yes, my family has got COVID, and so it's been a bit of a manic, weird couple of days over the weekend. Um, but, you know, the, the the thing to look at this Way is to go. Look, we're pretty healthy in terms of how bad it could have been. Um, it's just a matter of the juggle now with everyone isolating. You know, a couple of healthy kids who want to be entertained, needing time, and a, a sick kid who needs to, needs to be looked after, and two adults with COVID trying to work. So it's all go here in my household. Um, I will ask how you are, but I wanted to get that out of the way first, and then um, it might be a relatively short pot. I know there's less to talk about today. It's a lot of economic stuff, so I will shift to you a little bit. But um, yeah, there you go. There's there's the good old situation. How are you going, mate?
1: Yeah, good. Yeah, no, uh, we're nothing compared to that. We had a pretty normal weekend, but um, yeah, just thinking about you guys over there, it sounds like a bit of a struggle, and that juggle, I guess, is, is real, isn't it? You know, um, sickness is one thing, but then when you, when you when you pile everything else on top, kids in the house, you know, so
0: just have to help the other two, don't get it? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, it's just you got a slightly foggy mind, and you don't feel it 100% yourself when you're dealing with kids. It's yeah, it is, it is a bit of a nightmare to be fair but um like it could be much worse as well so I'm pretty thankful that we haven't got it as bad as we could have or as bad as some have um so from that sense you know we've got we're fine from a health perspective we'll all be okay so we'll um we'll leave it at that and I just hope that doesn't linger for too long because I know that can be a case too and I just hope that we can get to our seven days and uh all move on as if nothing's happened really so that's that's the big hope for now um but yeah mate look at look at let's look at what happened last week from a property market perspective um they're mostly economic uh, releases, as I mentioned earlier. and um, The first one, of course, being filled jobs. Um, so I thought we could just spend a bit of time just talking about this. Um, and maybe actually we we'll tie into this, the, the confidence side of things. But let's just see how the conversation goes. Of course, filled jobs and the number of people in a job the number actually dropped, which is a bit of a shock, I think, and it is only one month, so we need to be conscious of that. But there's some real interest here to see if this is the start of a trend because, of course, we've talked about how much so much that the, the economy and, and sort of the future of the property market depends on, on the labour market. So, yeah, what's your what's your take on those full jobs figures, Calvin? Yeah,
1: so the first fall, as you say, it was uh, so down 0.3% in February. These are seasonally adjusted numbers to take out that seasonality or the monthly variability It always happens in February. So down 0.3%, uh, first fall since January last year. So, you know, you're talking 13 months since we've had a fall in jobs. So it's, you know, it's worth taking note of. When you look in numerical terms or raw data, it's the biggest fall uh, since uh, November 2020. So about 6,000 jobs down in um, February this year. So it's, you know, it's worth taking note of maybe some temporary things in here, you know, one month doesn't make a trend and all that. There's possibility, I suppose, that, um, you know, in the skill shortages environment we're in now, you know, some people have kind of left jobs, employers haven't been able to fill them for whatever reason. There could be these sort of frictional things going on. But so so we have to wait for next month and maybe the month after too to sort of call it a trend. But certainly worth taking note of, you know, they can't go up forever. And I guess, you know, we're very much watching the labour market as a, a key uh, support or, or otherwise for the property market this year. So to see a fall in those jobs numbers is, is definitely worth taking note of. Um, and yeah, tying it into confidence, I mean, it's the, the latest confidence indicators have been pretty soft, got to say. The the ANZ business survey last week did just tick up ever so slightly, but it was from such a low base that you've got to still say business confidence is is really low. Has implications for hiring plans. You know, what that, that whole labour market outlook depends a lot on what businesses are thinking and feeling and you know are they confident to to take on more people are they even thinking about job cuts so you know that's it's those two are definitely related consumer confidence was weaker than ever it's it just fell further so um, you know not hard to find reasons you've got you know higher mortgage rates Omicron all these things so um, not hard to find reasons for the consumer one but key point is the Low and so there's, there's definitely something worth watching here. At the same time as inflation expectations are, are high, so we've got this possibility of of stagflation. We've talked about it before of of you know a softening economy or a stagnant economy at the same time as you've got inflationary pressures. Difficult for the Reserve Bank, you know, and has has clear implications for for property as well if, if we're in that environment where mortgage rates are up and, and yeah, the labor market isn't looking so strong. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot all sort of interrelated here. Um, and key points jobs are down, confidence is down. So, it really does suggest some caution about the property market outlook, which is already turning. So, um,
0: yeah, a lot to keep an eye on. Yes, yeah, I say, I'm particularly interested in what's happening in that labour market um, to see fewer jobs. I think it's a good point in terms of, you know, is it because of a lack of skilled people out there? You know, there's been lots of talk about the great resignation or the great reshuffle, depending on, you know, your angle on it. And if people do leave a job, like you said, you can't replace that. Maybe that's part of the story. So that's maybe one thing to look out for the future. Of course, you know. What the, what the future might be here as well, considering borders opening up. So we're going to start to be able to import some labour as well. And so that's a key thing about, you know, where the future of this might go as well. But those confidence surveys, yeah, are pretty damning as well. I mean, consumer confidence, as you said, there's a number of things that will impact that from a personal circumstance thing. But the business one is really interesting because that does, as you say, that does tell you about what, people's intention is going to be do they have confidence to keep employing like you said so I think that's why we're paying so much attention to it um, I did want to really counter it slightly and it doesn't get much coverage. And I'll tell you one thing, I was surprised the full job started didn't get more coverage as well, considering it was the first drop and we know how important the labor market is to our economy. Um what's surprising to see that not get much coverage. But another one that doesn't get much coverage at all is actually um a release from zero, the accounting business, um, their small business index, which essentially uses all these businesses, which are you know clients of theirs and use their software and looks at you know what's happening with their payroll turnover and sales. Turnover and all the information they get from importing all that information and data into their software, and they can analyze that to see sort of the health of the, of the business sector, and particularly around small business. And they've got the Small Business Index, which does exactly that, and measures, you know, wages, sales, and jobs growth. Um, month on month, and for a for a very long period of time too, and and looks to me, now we need to do a bit more comparisons with this, but it looks to me to be pretty trustworthy in terms of its indicator for you know what's going on in that sector, and you know considering how much we talk about. The importance of small business small medium enterprise business to New Zealand's economy I feel like this one should get more attention and, and and what it showed was in the latest month of data that it was up eight points on that index so it was just under eight percent the index is at 115 or something now so you know, actually saw a lift over that period which means that you know there was a lift in in wages um, being paid, there was a lift in the number of sales being made by by those small businesses as well. So it does seem that turnover seems to be okay. There wasn't as much jobs growth um, according to that data. So maybe that's another sign for the um, jobs filled that we've, we've talked about already today. So there's a little bit of backing that up that one up as well. Um, and overall, that, that that index figure is remaining well above the long-term average. So you're looking at that over a longer period of time, um, sitting well above there as well, which shows that sector maybe is doing okay, even if their confidence is low um, and the filled jobs maybe now starting to waver a little bit, still been doing okay. And, and again, we probably should recognize that there is still government support out there while we go through this Omicron phase and people are having to isolate and, and not maybe, you know, being as social and getting out there as much. Their mobility is reduced potentially that's helping them with their, being able to pay their wages and whatnot too. So, you know, there's, there could be some artificial support here, but ultimately these businesses are still seem to be doing okay according to that measure. And the other interesting comparison, of course, is that Zero is an international business now it does have, the US, uh, sorry, uh, UK, I think it is, and Australia. And and interestingly, it contrasts with Australia, where jobs growth was much more impacted when we saw cases so high in Australia. Uh, it doesn't seem to be as badly impacted here in New Zealand. So, again, could be because support's greater here. I'm not exactly sure on that. But something that you were expecting to see was you know, this sort of data be impacted by Omicron because we saw that overseas. Uh, now here doesn't seem to be the case. So you know, there's a little bit of contrasting information there. Again, it's probably a sign of things not being all one way and not not great, um, but also just probably not quite as pessimistic as some of the business confidence surveys show Or, as we say, we'll watch for the Phil Jobs data, but um, the early signs of that one starting to weaken is certainly something to pay attention to as well. So, yeah, a bit going on, as you say, um, and not trying to muddy the waters too much, but just trying to show that, you know, confidence isn't everything in terms of, you know, people sometimes don't do what they say um, and that that data coming through is actually looking all right from zero's perspective too. So, yeah, well worth looking out for that one. Yeah, I I think that's the only other thing I was going to add is that, you know, sometimes there's a difference
1: between what people say and what they actually do. And, and especially you see it around elections, that type of thing, when there's this perception that, that, you know, business people supposedly get all grumpy if if there's the prospect of a Labour victory, for example. So sometimes there's, yeah, there is that difference between what they say and do. So I just keep that in mind. And also that, yeah, you can have patchy indicators and, you know, some are up, some down, I guess until you see that survey evidence really play out in the, the hard data, the, the benchmark kind of stats, New Zealand figures, I guess you need to always just be a little careful, but certainly there's, you know, there's, there's just, there's some risks out there and I guess it's, you know, up to us to, to keep monitoring
0: and, and yeah, bring them to light. Yeah, I think that's good. And then, you know, term that comes up for me is that kind of cause for pause, you're got to be wary of this thing. But I think you're right. It's hard data. That's the word there. It's hard data we want to see. But of course, we love these early indicators that give us a feel for where things are heading um, because they can tell us where things are likely to to finish up once we get that that solid, hard data. So yeah, we don't want to disregard it. We'll still want to get carried away on some of this data, which maybe isn't as robust as the official statistics that are managed by Stats New Zealand and the like too. So yeah, I think that's a good good little lesson there as well. Um, Speaking of Stats New Zealand, of course, the other major release last week was the building consent data that came out and incredibly they increased the game I mean uh, I don't know how much we can continue on our path but I am remaining staunch on my scepticism that the industry has the ability to deliver on all these homes that are being consented um, and I sort of maintain this this annual rate of maybe thirty to thirty five thousand houses being built per year is probably the cap of what we can actually do, what the what the, the industry can actually handle, um, and that's how many will actually hit the market from these consents. And we did speak about it last week. Then of course the anecdotes are coming in out about these overexposed developers, particularly those small but inexperienced ones, um, and and. and more concentration happening in South Auckland as well, where there has been a lot of development. And now you get the sort of johnny come Latelys come in, maybe overpay, and there's a bit of vulnerability there too. So, you know, I do want to just flag that up. But overall, of course, those figures being up, we need to pay attention to. Um, what were those figures, Kelvin? Yes, very strong. So uh, well, I think it was, it was a few
1: hundred short of 50,000 in, in the year to February in terms of new dwelling consents. So... Yeah, record high. Um, just a uh, like you say, a, a staggering amount of activity going on in that construction sector. Uh, small dwellings, so townhouses and apartments accounted for 49% of that total. So that's a record high too. Um, so it's not only that we're getting more dwelling consents, but we're getting smaller dwellings. And so intensifying that housing stock, uh, townhouses, apartments, seems to be a good idea. But, yeah, I'm, I'm on the same page as you that it, it it can't stay like this forever. And every anecdote I hear or see on social media and talking to people is that there's just so much pressure and everyone's kind of waiting for the numbers to turn down. And, you know, we had thought that perhaps they had turned down in January, uh, but then they bounced back again in February. So yeah, it's, it's still, it's still really busy out there, at least in terms of those dwelling consents. I think there's two things here. One is dwelling consents and other is actual activity. And, and, you know, that, that there's sometimes I suppose there's a, chance of disconnect and if the capacity in the industry is 30 or 35,000 then you're going to see if we're running at 50,000 consents but 30 or 35,000 in terms of what can actually be built then there are going to be some things that don't get built or they take longer uh, or, or well like probably those two options there may be other things as well but yeah there's 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 just it's such a key sector to keep an eye on that it just feels like there's there's a slowdown coming, just a question of when. So, so yeah, it's a lot to watch. I mean, costs are costs are part of it. Bank finance, you know, can people um, can get can they get the finance to keep up consents where they are? So there's there's just a lot of I don't really love the word it's overused, but there's a lot of headwinds for it. Um, and yeah, just kind of
0: kind of waiting each month to see uh, see when it slows. Maybe next month. It's a good point. I mean, and um... The credit side of things, of course, as well, is that we know the banks are becoming a bit more cautious. You know, they hear the same stories we do about what's happening in the sector, and so they might become a bit more reluctant to lend into to developments and new build new builds as well. And we know that ASB, I don't think we've, I'm not sure we've talked about it on the podcast actually that ASB have obviously ended their you know, targeted lending towards new builds, but you get the special rate, which was tied to the OCR. So that's no longer in place. So we can certainly see, you know, tightening from a credit perspective, which I don't think we've talked about, but that's certainly going to slow things down. You know, labour market, and, you know, we've already discussed that today, but of course we know that, you know, yes, we're going to to be able to import some labour in terms of immigrants coming into the country. That might be B-builders, um, but we might also lose some who can get, Greater money elsewhere, so there's always going to be two sides to that equation. Um, but as you say, plenty of things to watch for. Actually, I did a presentation last week, and um, one of the things that was asked about was, do we understand or know the health of the apprenticeship scheme um, for builders? I know that there's been a significant focus on that for the last couple of years, and I, I need to actually write a note to go and check to see what are the what are the figures looking like for apprentices. Now, you know, I'm not sure how long that takes. Generally, when you talk to builders, they do seem to do apprenticeships for a fairly long time. I think sometimes because the builders keep them on board longer because they pay them less. Um, there's my cynical side coming through again. Can I blame a, blame a sickness brain? But, um, but, you know, it'd be interesting to know what's happening in that apprenticeship side of things as well because obviously there could be a significant flow of people coming to market who can help to build all these properties, which we haven't had in the past without the same focus that there is right now on, on pushing people into that sector, knowing that it's a key focus right now. So yeah, there's a few other, other factors there to, to be considerate of, but ultimately I still sort of sit on that 30,000, 35,000 will be the max. We get per year, unless something else changes dramatically, um, and, and we'll start to feel that now. You know, I think we're building about thirty to thirty-three thousand, depending on your measure, right now. And so, um, you know, over the next few months, I think we'll start to see if those lines start to creep up then um you know maybe there is more capacity if it doesn't then i think maybe we can be proved um you know right in that perspective as well and we wouldn't be the only ones suggesting that's about where the limit is too so yeah again another one that's um interesting to watch for and uh and yeah, one one that will look at all those different little things that are going on the market to see what else we can find that might help us to understand what's going on there too
1: mm,
0: yeah definitely i, I think i just add two things around
1: sort of what lies ahead and you know, even if consents tail off, I suppose just to make the point, hopefully really clear, even if consents tail off, you know, there's still so many being improved. And if capacity is 30 or 35, builders are going to be working through this pipeline for a while. So the industry is going to be busy, even if dwelling consents tail off. So you'd think there's going to be continued pressure on costs. Uh, you know, these, this, this cost inflation we're seeing doesn't seem like it's going to go, go away anytime soon so that's going to so yes say for a first time buyer there's going to be more choice out there more townhouses and things but uh, they're not going to get any cheaper and in the meantime interest rates going up. so there's a lot of yeah a lot of interactions. Um, the boom bust cycle the, the sort of second point there's reasons to think so even if we do see that slowdown reasons to think that it won't be as deep as in the past because uh, the incentives are there now investors are really incentivized to, to look at new builds um, through lower deposits. Uh, Tax deductibility, these types of things, and first stone buyers, of course, through through reduced deposits as well. So, yeah, there's. I suppose it's not going to come to a screeching halt, because I guess what I'm trying to say there's there's a lot of work still to be done, and this this should be a reasonable amount of demand in the future as well. So, it's not going to sort of all just come to a screaming halt, but yeah, there are some
0: headwinds. I think that's a really good point of clarification because, as you said, it could come across as if we're being pessimistic and saying, well, we're not going to hit 50,000, so why is everyone excited? I suppose that's not the point. I think the point we're trying to make with it is to say, if you're using consents as a measure of us getting up to our level of stock required – and I think we need to temper that back a little bit. And so often we say, you know, we hear people out there talking about, oh, because we're building so much right now, according to consenting figures, that we've actually made up for the deficit that's been created over the last decade. And what we're saying is actually we need to continue building at this rate for a very long period of time. Odds are that happens because, as you say, we might plateau at 30,000, 35,000, but stay there for a fairly long while because there is so much in that pipeline. So I think there's a really good point of clarification, Kelvin. I'm glad you kind of brought that in there because that sort of brings it back to why we even bring that comparison in why do we care about the actual number of properties being built it's because that's what it's telling us how much we're eating into that stock or that deficit sorry um not just because we don't we think these numbers are rubbish or that the building industry can't handle it it's like that's why it matters um, so i think that's a really important point of distinction so yeah good to good to pull it back to that one um, Okay, mate, well, let's, let's look ahead to this week, um, You know, one that's right at hand right now. Literally just saw the email go out from our media team to uh, media right now about the house price index data for us for March. So the CoreLogic House Price Index for March going out there. It is under embargo until first thing tomorrow morning, so we can't really get into any of the detail there. I think the key thing, it'll be public tomorrow morning, is that i focused on regional differences. You know, we asked them to see those differences show out through much of many parts of the country, um, but ultimately the key message is we're still seeing that continued weakness in the market, um, which is playing out. So, you know, expect to see that hit the hit the papers tomorrow. and I'm sure we'll get a few interviews come off the back of this as well, um, but it's really just reiterating the points we've talked about before and then focusing on why there's some differences paying up, um, you know, showing up. And typically what I've been talking about is those areas with the strongest amount of growth recently are those that might be more vulnerable to drops. You know, that affordability has been so stretched, people can't pay those amounts you know can't or don't want to and that's where we're seeing values just pull back and we're seeing that standoff the vendor standoff you know last longer um, and then maybe people adjust their expectations faster if they do want to sell their property so they have to bring it down to get that sale because there's fewer buyers out there or fewer buyers willing to pay that amount anyway so that's kind of where the house price index is at um, feel free to add anything else you want to on that otherwise the other release of course is our buyer classification data for march which is of course the um, first view of sort of March activity in the market out there to look at who's been active, who's settled on those properties throughout March. You know, first home buyers, investors, movers. Um, I suppose our main call out will be we're expecting first home buyer weakness to continue. Um, anything else you want to talk about from that on the index, Calvin, that you're expecting to see this week? Yeah, not, not anything on the index. I just think around buyer classification.
1: Yeah, it's it's interest on first home buyer share, of course, with LVRs and kicked in, Trouble CFA all these things, a lot of pressure on first-time buyers. Um, now, these are market share numbers. So, of course, when, when somebody's gone down, somebody else has gone up. Uh, and so, another, I mean, uh, probably the other two groups are, of course, mortgaged investors who probably be flattish is kind of the expectation. So, the group that's made up market share, uh, if, if we're right, or if my uh, sort of pre-expectation right, uh, is right, will be movers. So, that's people, existing owner-occupiers, who are looking to trade up or trade down or relocate. Yeah, they've, they've had a bit of a bump in market share in the last couple of months. So, so that I kind of anticipate that continuing on, um, part of it to do with just more choice. You know, for the last couple of years, heard a lot about movers being stuck where they are because there's no listings. They can't find that property, so they're pretty renovating. Uh, now there's a few more listings, a few more movers are, are keen to relocate. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of what I'm anticipating. It'll be... Like you say, first first steer on on what actually happened in March. This is with an overall volume sort of probably lower. Um, So, you know, it's it's market share within a a softer overall market. Um, So, you know, important to
0: make that point too. But um, always an interesting data set yeah absolutely and I guess we'll talk about it next week um, there might as well be an article follow that one but um, yeah we'll, we'll get it later this week and then no doubt talk about on the podcast next week well mate luckily it sounds like this is pretty much it's going to be a short one today which is which is luckily for me um, the other thing I was thinking was of course there is the usual one roof five things you need to know article up live now I'll be honest I haven't even read it this week which is not like me because I do love that succinctness of that article um, and I know that again you were on AM show this morning was there anything from either of those two you Usually we cover that sort of stuff But was there anything on the interview this morning again I haven't seen the TV um, appearance this morning that you um, that you thought was worthwhile just touching on before we get out of here? Yeah, it was it was mostly around construction the
1: AM interview. So I suppose all that stuff we just talked about was fresh in my mind and and I guess the probably the thinking back. I mean, gee, yeah, it was five thirty this morning, so it seems like a while ago. But yeah, the the, um, the fact that some property the the questioning was around sort of will all these consents actually get to completion. I guess that's that was the, the thrust of it. And, and picking up on that point that you know. You, Looking at consents is one thing, but here it's translating into how many actual properties we're getting on the ground. Also, taking into account that we're knocking properties down, so you know what really matters is that change in housing stock. And there has to be a chance that that you know the change in stock, or, or eventually what we end up with, is, is a bit less than than dwelling consent. So, um, so yeah, that was the thrust of it. Uh, and I think it's on the
0: internet if people want to go have a look. Um, but yeah, um, nothing else to add. I'll uh, I'll, I'll check a link on then if if there is a specific link for that one part of the show and they'd be really good and the only other thing was that it got brought to my attention last night and it's actually a show that I watch which is have you been paying attention the comedy show on tvnz but it wasn't even last week so it was the weeks before where you um, made a feature but it looks like it's just uh you while while uh, they were talking on the same show um because the topic of discussion was stagflation so the question was what does stagflation mean which uh one of the comedians got to so congratulations on your pseudo appearance on, on a on a comedy panel show, Calvin. Yeah,
1: first time. It's probably the first and last time for that. No one would call me a comedian, but uh, yeah, wow. Well, we we've we've made it mainstream. Eh? We've probably ventured, made it yeah, ventured out of the property sort of media and into into mainstream. So you know, global domination is, is a thing. <laughs>
0: All that's left. Awesome, mate. Oh, nice to finish on a a happy, funny note. And uh, I'm not sure if I can link to it, but if you do know the show, I think it was not last week's one, the week before that one. And as I said, you don't actually hear every Calvin speak um, because the journalist (laughs) does that for him, but it's still, still quite funny to see you pop up on that one. Brilliant, mate. All right, well, let's, let's get out of here. I'll go and see how the how the household's holding up. Um, but thank you very much for your insight today and carrying us as per usual, really, but maybe even more so than usual. And thanks very much for listening, putting up with my nasally voice today. Uh, please do make sure you hit subscribe, hit that auto download button, and please get in touch with us too. Uh, let us know how things are going for you out there on the market, whether it's just your job in the labour market or from a property market perspective too. We're really keen to hear about how things are going from that perspective. All our details are within the show notes in your podcast player. Um, so do get in touch. Let me to say thank you very much. My name is Nick. He's Calvin. You've been listening to the New Zealand Property Market podcast. Matewa.